I could live in a state where they might frown on you having a gun. So, but no, we appreciate Thane. I, I appreciate, you know, Dr. Comfort started Ambassador Baptist College and it was the exact place where I needed to go. And it was right where God wanted me to go. And I, I love Ambassador Baptist College and I love what they stand for and love Dr. Comfort and, and his preaching and those men that, that I was able to sat un, uh, sit under and, and uh, truly uh, was exactly where, where I needed to be. And I, I just, I, I believe that Thane at West Coast, I thank God for West Coast also and Pastor Chapel and, and I pray for both of those schools every day and and it it is where Thane needed to be and and you can see how God's hand has been in that and and guided him and placed him in different positions and it's just been fun to watch him grow and watch his heart develop for the ministry and uh, it's just uh, truly a blessing thing so why don't you come and share with us what God's given you this week Jonah chapter 2 if you have your Bibles I want to thank you guys um, for this past week at the Week of Revival. I want to thank uh, a lot of the people. I want to thank all the ladies for helping. I can remember back to when I was a kid, revivals and special meetings, the meals we put on, would, majority of the food would be cooked by my mom. I remember her spending hours over a stove cooking, and I'm not complaining. I love my mom's cooking. I didn't get this size on accident. So I want to thank you guys because I know that it was almost overwhelming to see the amount of help that did come out for one of those things. Mom, during a fellowship now, can go home and cook something she wants to cook or cook something she wants to try, something new, because she knows a lot of stuff's going to be provided for by you guys. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for your servant's heart in stepping in and helping out with everything. It does mean a lot to the Monday family. It means a lot to the Carnes family, and it, it'll mean a lot in eternity. But Jonah chapter 2, last time we learned out of Jonah chapter 1, that you are unable to choose the consequences for your actions. It's a simple lesson that my mom tried to ingrain in me all through gr growing up and still tries. And as a side note to everyone who does have a mom, listen to her because she's usually right. At least mine is. So we learned last week in chapter 1 that Jonah could not choose the consequences of his actions. A simple way to put it, I heard a preacher say this way, God said go, Jonah said no, and God said oh, and the rest is history. Simple way to put that. It's a simple principle found in Hebrews chapter 12. For who the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. He was able to choose what he did, when he did it, but not what will happen to him because of it. His rebellion led to three very miserable days and nights in the belly of a fish. So I've titled this message out of Jonah chapter 2, Lessons from a Fish's Belly. And the application from last week is great. We as people are able to make our own decisions. Every day we get up and we make decisions, sometimes disregarding the consequences of those, those decisions because we know what the outcome will be. But so often we make decisions hastily or without prayer or without counsel, and it comes back on us. We don't know what to do. We have to live with the consequences of our actions, the consequences of our sin, our anger, our lust, our pride, even our worry. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, 
nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. It's a simple sowing and reaping principle you see in Galatians. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For, whosoever, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Our lives are spent, I call it spiritually farming. Every day we're either sowing or reaping the consequences of our action, whether good or bad. You do it every day in life. And if you sow in sin, it'll take more than you want to give. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. But thankfully, we have the word of God to direct us from day to day. And thankfully, we have a God of second chances. This week, we get to see a man who at the time was to be the closest person to God. God's voice and prophet at the absolute lowest point of his life. Trapped for three days and three nights in an unspeakable torture. Chapter 2 gives us eight verses of thanksgiving that Jonah declares to God, but it's sandwiched between verse 1 and 10 with two very great principles. So let's start in verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. In verse 1, I want you to see Jonah's pivotal decision said, and then Jonah prayed. This man had just went through running from God, a storm that he was sleeping through. They cast lots to see who would be cast out of the ship. And before that, he never once looked to his God. It wasn't until he was put into a prison of the fish's belly that he decided, maybe I should call on him. And sometimes God has to bring us so low that the only way to go is back to him. Now, God is not a lucky charm that we can just use when we like. I want you guys to get this. If you do not call on God in the good times, what makes you think you should call on him in the bad times? We neglect God so much in our day-to-day -day life, we decide that he doesn't matter until a trial comes. We... It's, pretty potent illustration in the Monday family, but this past year, Tyler had cancer. I remember the day I found out, I was checking rooms out at school. I'm an RA out there. I was checking rooms. And I get it. I can remember the text or phone call from dad saying, you need to call Tyler and talk to him. Now, number one, me and Tyler barely text each other. We talk and we see each other, and that's great. Our relationship is awesome. So I was like, why well, don't I need to call him? So I called Tyler, and he told me what happened. The gut punch I felt after that was indescribable. I was a thousand miles away with a brother who I was close to going through something I could never imagine. And I remember going into chapel, going in, sitting down with my friends, pulling out my Bible. The preacher was just about to get up to start preaching. And he started preaching on God's love, about God's faithfulness. I weeped for the next 30 minutes as this preacher preached from the word of God just about how faithful his God is, how faithful and loving my God is. 
And I made a decision that day, God, you knew this was happening. You knew what was going to happen. You know what Tyler can handle. You've got this. Now let's praise you in it. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Philippians 4, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Continue in prayer and watch the same with thanksgiving. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. We see that Jonah, brought to his knees, made a pivotal decision to call on God. But we see also Jonah's personal deity. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God. Listen to this, God is willing to restore you every time no matter what. No matter how far you go from him. If you're on your knees and you beg him to take you, he will take you back. And he's a personal God all the time. So Jonah finally called on God only after his original plan fell apart. I'm a little bit of a planner, especially when I'm out at school. I'm a big planner. Everything's run on my calendar. So I'm planning ahead. And there have been many times where I'd go and something wouldn't go according to plan and I'd try to fix it and it just kept getting worse. You ever know when you mess up and you try to fix it, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse? That happened to us as kids. We, um, anything. Um, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of illustrations. But something would go wrong. We'd break something. So we'd say, okay, let's fix it. So we'd try to fix it and it ends up getting worse. There's one time, one of us wrecked the four-wheeler. I'm not going to name names. So one of us wrecked the four-wheeler and we cracked the front fiberglass part of the four-wheeler. And we're all standing around there. Mom and dad are gone. They're both at work. That was the bad part. We were homeschooled and they were gone a lot. It was probably not the best thing. But we're all standing over the four-wheeler. This thing's cracked. We're like, how are we going to do this? Me and Tyler were cleaning the church at the time, so we had a little bit of money saved up. We were mowing lawns, so we had a little bit of cash. So yeah, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So we got on the computer. We looked up the part. We looked up how much it was. Like, hey, we can pool our money together. We can buy this. We can hide the four-wheeler. Get the part, make sure it's shipped when mom and dad aren't here. Put it back on. It won't be difficult. That thing was so stinking expensive. So our plan just kept getting worse and worse and more expensive and more expensive. And we realized, yeah, you're just going to tell mom and dad what happened. It was sacrifice whoever, there was, whoever it was who was at fault. That's what our plan was. It just kept getting worse and worse. And that's what happens to us. We make a plan. Something goes wrong. Something doesn't go the way we want it to, so we try to fix it. We keep trying to fix our plan and fix the way we want it to go, when in all reality, the only thing we had to do is stop and ask him for help. So we see Jonah's pivotal decision and his personal deity. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. So Jonah's pivotal decision led to him calling on his personal deity, from out of his problematic dilemma, out of the fish's belly. How you respond to your circumstances will dictate how you get out of them. Guys, your, your circumstances should not dictate your joy or your reaction. We have so many reactionary Christians nowadays that something in the world bad happens and we lose all joy. Something in the world happens and we decide, woe is me, the sky is falling. 
That's not what the Bible says. We're having joy in the Lord at all times. We have a tendency to complain and mope about our situation. And in doing so, accomplish nothing. We need to go, be going directly to God right away. When I was a kid, I'd, I whined a lot. I was kind of a whiny kid. I am still kind of am, so I'm just going to admit that right now. But I remember I'd go to mom about something like, Mom, this isn't working. Mom, what's going on here? And she's like, have you tried this? Or that fateful thing where you're like, Mom, I lost something. It's like, have you looked here? Yes, Mom, I looked there. You go back there and it's there? I swear she was hiding it. But you have that problem. We tend to go to God and say, God, what's going on? When all reality said, God, what can you do to help? God, can you help me with this? It doesn't matter whether it's a family issue, whether it's a financial issue, whether you've lost your job and you're looking for something. It doesn't matter. God's always there for everything, no matter how big or how small. But thanks be unto God, which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Jesus even said in John 16, 33, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So we see Jonah's position he's in right now in verse one. And verse two, and not, two through nine give us some pretty potent verses. These verses are actually almost direct quotes from the Psalms. It showcases not only Jonah's knowledge of the scripture and shows that he was a student of the word of God, but it also shows the power of scripture. And if you're going through something tonight, if you're struggling with a sin or with a worry or with something, this has the answer for everything. We're taught out at school, my minor was in biblical counseling. So I took a lot of counseling classes and a lot of things on human psychology and all from a biblical standpoint. So it was really well balanced, but when we go into each class, we'd start big problems. The instructor would always say, whether it was our teacher, Dr. Getch, or Dr. Shetler, who was here a few weeks ago, he always said, you do not need a doctorate to counsel. You don't need more education to counsel. You need to know your Bible. And I want you to know that if you're struggling with something and you don't know where to, what to do or where to go, you need to go here. Every answer to every problem, it's relevant, it's powerful. But listen to some of these verses and follow along. Psalm 121, or 120 verse 1, correlates back to Jonah 2.2. In my distress I cried unto the Lord. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Look at Jonah 2.3. For thou hast cast me in the deep, in the midst of the seas, and thy flood compassed about me, and thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I'm cast out of thy sight, and yet will I look again toward thy holy temple. Psalm 31, 22. For I have said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplication when I cried unto thee. You see Jonah's knowledge of the scripture. How he quotes back to God his own word. And it's not all distress in these eight verses. But the first principle I want you to get from these eight verses, sound in verse two through four. And then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I and thou heardest my voice. 
For thou hast cast me into the deep and in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet will I look again toward thy holy temple. The first principle I want you to get, in Jonah's rebellion, God brought restoration. Rebellion is defined as an action or process of resisting authority, control, or convention. 1 Samuel 15, 23 says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness as an, is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Proverbs 17, 11, An evil man seeketh only rebellion. Jonah is a classic example of rebellion. He rejects the authority and the word of his, of his God for his own comfort. He rebelled against the Almighty God. He directly disobeyed, resulting in the trouble we saw in chapter 1. The two words in there in verse 2. And he said, I cried the reason of mine affliction. Jonah personalized this affliction because he brought it upon himself. He was aware of that. The biggest thing we learn in counseling is the person who you're counseling has to be humble enough to accept what you're going to give them. And frankly, humility is the key to the Christian life that so many of us, including myself, are lacking. We don't think we need help. We don't think we need this. We know we can do this in our own power. Jonah brought the affliction upon himself. The physical position of being tossed in the sea and swallowed by the whale was caused by Jonah's rebellion. We can attempt to blame our choices and sins on the environment that we're in or the culture around us. We're responsible for our own actions. In junior church, um, since I've been teaching, I've noticed this with kids, more so this year than any before, is if someone ever, if I ever get after someone or someone ever gets in trouble, there's always someone else to blame. Do your parents realize that? You ever, yeah, Kareth was always to blame because it was true. So all the time with kids, she's giving me a dirty look, all the time with kids, you get, they get in trouble. It's someone else's fault. But they don't realize that their sin is there because of their action. Mom used to always say this, don't pick a fight you can't win. Usually referring when I fought Tyler. I always lost. So I made fun of him. That was our key. But mom always said, don't pick a fight you can't win. Because, you know, normally I would say something smart and it'd really make him mad and he'd punch me. So I'd come back at him. She'd say, you started it. Don't pick a fight you can't win. That's a consequence of our action. We can get caught up in the idea that we're justified in it. Romans 14, 10 through 12 says, why, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou at not thy brother? Set, not, set at not thy brother. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Our reactions, attitudes, and choices will only be judged by God. Not by the people in your life. People's opinion of what you do normally doesn't matter. The word of God matters in everything you do. Something I've seen with college students is we get so caught up in what people think of us or what we do. I'm a ple people pleaser by I know, choice almost. So everything I do, will this person get mad? What will happen here? 
I've come to realize, especially the last two years of school, being an RA, it doesn't matter what they think. It matters what he thinks of me. Thankfully, God is faithful to restore us from even the worst of rebellion. Verse 4 says, Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Jonah knew that the only way to get out of the problem that he was in was to look toward the Almighty God. We're talking about depression in Sunday school. And depression is a very serious problem. I think we discount a lot of that. Depression is a serious problem that many Christians are faced with right now. But depression is one of those things where we try to take and control our own circumstances when in all reality we just need to give them to God. That's what depression is. It's us trying to control everything around us and we know we're going to fail, but we keep trying to control and that leads us to a depressed state. So Jonah's rebellion brought God's restoration. But in verse 5 and 6, Jonah's destruction, in Jonah's destruction, God brought deliverance. The waters compassed me about even to the soul. The depth closed round about me. The, weed, the weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountains and the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption. Oh Lord, my God. Look at the personal plea to God. My God. Jonah's situation had led him to become quite depressed. Verse 5 and a majority of verse 6 deal with the dire situation that Jonah was stuck in. But thankfully, the end of verse 6 comes and says, Thou hast brought up my life from corruption. O Lord, my God. Corruption carries the idea of a pit or destruction or a trap. Jonah was thanking God for delivering him from his destruction. The context is Jonah's thanking him from delivering him from the storm they cast him into. He was in a place that was unthinkable, yet he was still thanking God. Jonah's situation was caused by his sin. We know that. And his sin separated him from God. The same is said of us. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all, for that all have sinned. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear you. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We, like Jonah, separated ourselves from God through our sin. But God himself was willing to restore us. We learned today in junior church, the whole lesson, me and Wendy were up there, the whole lesson was built on the flag. And the way those kids got it, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, we are healed. Our sin separated us, but just like we're going to see later in this chapter, God decided to deliver us from that. God in his grace, God in his mercy, God in his love said, I can't let them take that. If they call on me, they will be delivered. God is faithful and is willing to deliver him and us from our destruction. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. 
who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. The sacrifice of Christ on Calvary was not for a select group of people. It was for everyone. If you have been saved, praise the Lord. Look to that every day to be your motivation. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, it's as simple as this. Recognize your sin. We're all sinners. The Bible says it. Recognize his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We claim that verse for unsaved people, but we as saved people need to quote that just as much. The motivation for our life should be John 3, 16. Accept his love, accept his son's sacrifice. Jesus, I know you died for me and I want you to come to my heart and save me. So we see that God delivered Jonah after his rebellion. He brought him out of the destruction that Jonah caused. And we also see verse seven through nine, in Jonah's burdens, God brought blessings. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came into, in unto thee in thine, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. No matter what it is, no matter what you're going through, whether it's a family member turning their back on God, whether it's a child not going the direction they need to, or you're struggling with some besetting problem or sin, God is faithful and able to help you get through it all. The key to the entire second chapter of Jonah, and frankly, the key to life, is dependence on God. Good or bad, God is in control. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose. But with God, all things are possible. Dependence will only come by fully relying on the promises in the word of God. It's not a magical feeling or a superstition or a supernatural experience. It's waking up every day, opening this and saying, God, what do you have for me today? It's, God, I'm struggling with this. What do you have for me today? God, I need your help. What do you have for me today? It's a consistent, faithful calling on him. All of this is concluded with the final truth found in verse 10. And the Lord spake into the fish and had vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. God is a God of second chances, thankfully. God's a God of third chances and fourth chances. He's never given up on someone. He's never betrayed anyone. He's never let someone down. Jonah rebelled against him, made a committed effort to get away from God. God brought him back and Jonah repented and God gave him a second chance. He never once neglected Jonah and he proves it in verse 10 with his deliverance. Dr. Comfort used the verse this week, 1 John 1, 9. He said, every Christian's memorize it. I completely agree with him. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us 
from all unrighteousness. If you are struggling with something, confess it and get rid of it. Confession carries the idea of a turning away from. It's not, God, forgive me of this and going on. It's, God, get this out of it and you make a committed effort to go the other way. I want you to know this as well. If you've confessed a sin and you've given up that sin, don't live in it. Don't live in the bad past you may have had. Don't live in the sins you may have committed 10 years ago. Because Christ didn't die on the cross for those sins for you to live in them every day. Lamentations 3.21, this I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Praise the Lord that he has given us and will continue to show us mercy and give us second chances. Dad brought up the officers, the military, the firemen, the paramedics. We can add a lot more people who maybe committed suicide this year. The number would be staggering. This year I lost a friend to suicide. They're at a point where there is no hope. They're at a point where the only light they see is taking their own life. But God says in Lamentations, great is his faithfulness. If you're struggling now, if you're thinking, I don't see an end in sight. I don't see how this is going to end for a good. I don't know how to get out of this. Turn to him. This is the key. I lost a 19-year-old friend this, this past spring. I remember getting the phone call saying he'd committed suicide. I remember knowing this kid. He was so full of life. He was the funniest guy I knew. He could make you laugh. He, I had serious conversations, funny conversations. Kid graduated valedictorian. He was going somewhere. But he lost sight. He lost hope. The impact he would have made is gone. The impact his family could have made is gone. But God is a God of second chances. He's willing to restore you. He's willing to deliver you. He's willing to bless you. But has God become a last resort for you? Is going to God the last thing you think of? Do you rely so much on your own plan that you forget that God exists? Are you caught in the trap of dwelling on your situation? Is there some burden that you need to give over? What are you holding on to that's affecting your relationship with God? When Jesus died on the cross, we were separated from our sins. We were allowed freedom from our sins. But every day, if you wake up and you dwell on that sin, you are negating the sacrifice he made. So are you depending on God today? The God of second chances. Let's pray. Father, thank you for everything you've given to us, Lord. Thank you for the potency of the life of Jonah. Thank you, Lord, that you are our deliverer. You'll get us through anything, Lord.
Lord, if there's someone in this room that's not saved today, if there's someone in here that's saying, I don't know what he's talking about because I've never been saved. They need to come see me or Pastor Monday or Pastor West right away. Lord, if there's someone in here who's holding on to a sin or a burden or a worry, Lord, I pray that they cast it at your feet today and they move on. You are in control of every situation. Just as you were in control of the fish that swallowed Jonah. Lord, guide us each this week. Help us to apply your word that we learned today. It's your name we pray. Amen.